Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to be with you on the show today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto Home Life Business, RV, Bow Motorcycle. Hey, you need insurance? They've got it. They'll make sure that it's the right insurance. They will also make sure that they go out and save you money. Customer service means everything. Because they're just good people. Great pros, they're just good people. They care. It's all Purdy Insurance, Market Street, and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. The Eagles call on their best player to win it. Back again. Hertz is going deep for Brown, and it is caught. Touchdown, A.J. Brown. Powell, one last chance. It's on touchdown on their last breath. It's Jahan Dobson. Ball is spotted. The kick is away, and the kick is... And the Eagles win. The Eagles win. Lights out. Jake Elliott does it with his fourth field goal of the day. It's always great that the team MVP can close it out because he has been their best player. You, sir, are my hero. He's been their best player. They don't have him. If they have inconsistency there, they're 500 right now. Right? Probably, yeah. I mean, the glory of Elliott is that the Eagles know if they get it to the 35-yard line, they're going to get points. That You cannot ask more of a kicker than that. If you know, this is where for years Justin Tucker has been so great with the Ravens. They can get the ball to the thirty-five yard line and feel like they're getting points. I'd argue even the forty, or even like between the thirty-five right. and the forty. <laughs> but I'll take the thirty-five as a <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. out right. far enough. Yeah, right? and believe me, you can do that with this kid. He's he's hit sixty-one yarders. Yep, once against the Giants in seventeen, and then at the half this against year. the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's at 61 yarders, which means you're kicking for the 40. Depends on how deep it drops. Some teams go back eight yards now. Uh, so you're like the 43 yard line. Really? Okay. Wow. I mean, that's. You can't put a price on that. You can't. And he's been their best player so far. And I don't see anything changing with him. I mean, in other words, with him, he, I think he's just he's steady Eddie. He's just going to because he never sneaks one in. I mean, every time he kicks one, it's down the middle, right? Yeah, I, that's what I've seen. He, he hasn't even been close to missing. 
and who do they have this week? No idea. At the Rams this week. Yeah, that won't be a. That will be. Um, the Eagles will win the game, but it will not be a blowout. I agree. I'm thinking. I'm thinking one one possession type game. Yeah. Like 29, uh, 22, something like that is where I'm I, leaning right I, now. I mean, I give the Colts credit. Richardson's better than I thought he was going to be. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I I give their scouting department a lot of credit because they saw some stuff I didn't see. Um. But also, too, Stane Steichen is the right head coach, I think, for him because he's literally yeah. just bringing everything he did with Jalen Hurts last year and making it to Anthony Richardson, which was pretty much the reason why they drafted him. And so far, it's worked out for the most part. Can I? Well, yeah, he doesn't have all the personnel the Eagles have. Yeah. Um, the Penn State wrestling schedule's out. Did you see this? It's really interesting. They're going to start um, with the Journeyman Classic. Then they've got the Army Black Knight Invitational on the 19th of November. Then they finally in rec hall for an exhibition event, the All-Star Classic, the NWCA. They're home at rec hall on December 3rd, which is a Sunday with Lehigh. The next Sunday on December 10th, they're home with Hofstra. Then they come back on a Friday night, and they're at Oregon State on Friday, January 5th. Home on Sunday with Indiana on January 14th. At Michigan on Friday, January 19th at the Cliff Keen Arena. Stay on the road. Then they go to Michigan State at Jenison on the 21st on a Sunday. Then they're at Maryland on the 28th. Then they come home, and they wrestle Ohio State on Friday night, February 2nd. And that dual meet is in Rec Hall. They're then at Iowa, Carver-Hawkeye on Friday the 9th, so there's a week off in between. And then they come home on Monday, February 12th with Rutgers, and that's the Jordan Center dual meet. That's really interesting. Really interesting. So they're home with Ohio State in Rec Hall on Friday, February 2nd. Wrestle again Friday, February 9th at Iowa. But then their dual meet with Rutgers is a Monday night three days later. And that's the Jordan Center dual meet. Didn't see that coming. I really didn't. Then they're home at Rec Hall on the 18th of February with Nebraska, and then they close out the uh, regular season schedule with Edinburgh and Rec Hall on February 25th. That was a very interesting schedule. Hmm. So I don't know. I kind of sat back and went, hmm. By the way, did you see TCU beat West Virginia? I said beat West Virginia beat TCU. West Virginia is 4-1. I can't say I'm surprised by that. I mean, I give them a lot of credit. They've done a good job. 
Mm. Um, their, their kicker, Hayes, won it with a field goal to beat TCU. They're, I mean, they're 4-1. So... And Virginia Tech beat Pitt. I will say the LSU Ole Miss game was entertaining. LSU has some big time defensive issues. Because remember, this is the same Ole Miss offense that generated, what, 10 points against Alabama? And they generated 54 against LSU. Wow. But, man, your guy, Brian Kelly. Your guy. No good! No good! No good! Your guy. I was just laughing every time I saw that score going up and up and up. No, I watched it. I, the game was entertaining. I, I also took some time and I watched. Um. Iowa, Michigan State. What? <laughs> but I got to give Duffy Doherty and Hayden Fry a lot of credit. I thought they both coached good, good games. No, it wasn't them. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! So, how far can the Yankees go in the playoffs, Matt? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Bad question. To the nearest golf course. Phillies and Marlins start tomorrow night. Phillies and Marlins start tomorrow night. Love how the Phillies have played here in the second half. Played great. Fun team to watch. Harper's back doing what Harper does. That makes such a big difference. Climbed himself back into the lineup as quickly as he could. Um, Love that he tossed his helmet into the seats after Angel Hernandez what the heck was that? That was that was absurd. Can we please? Can the MLB just please get rid of him? They can't. They can't he's a he's a, the he's union. A, I mean, just he, can the union he, do something can't. about it? They, they can't. <laughs> I swear he influenced Ron Tolbert and his officiating crew at the link. Man, it was. Um... I saw that way. I mean, you want to talk about, like, like check swings are always, like, really, when they look at them, like, oh, it's right on the border. You know what I mean? This isn't even remotely close. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't blame Harper. I don't blame him at all. And he takes his helmet and tosses it to a kid in the seats. <laughs> I mean, how about Joey Votto got tossed yesterday? It's his last game. They threw him out in the first inning. For what? What are we doing here? Once again, umpire entitlement, which carried over to the NFL yesterday with the whole Robert Sala incident. How are we doing? I mean, I, I'm with, hey, look, I'm glad Sala did what he did, and it's that's fine. You know what? You're you know you're a coach. You're trying to compete, win a game. I don't care if you got it. Unsportsmanlike conduct. What it moved the ball a half yard? Fine. Uh, two awful deaths, unfortunately, 
Uh, we found out today that Russ Francis, the who was a terrific tight end with the Patriots and the 49ers, died in a plane crash near Lake Placid today. First-round pick of the Patriots. He really got changed a lot of things around for the Patriots when Chuck Fairbanks was trying to get things going. With New England, he surprisingly got them into the playoffs in 76. Russ France was a big part of that, just a terrific tight, and then eventually went to the 49ers and helped them win a Super Bowl. Um, and we found out today he died in a plane crash. And then Tim Wakefield. Tim Wakefield... Um, embodied everything you would want in an athlete on the field and everything you would want in an athlete off the field. Uh, He was an eighth-round pick of the Pirates. And, boy, he just couldn't. He was an outfielder. He just couldn't quite get the back going, so he shifted over and became a knuckleball pitcher. Well, they bring him up in 92, and he's terrific. And with all the publicity surrounding the Deion Sanders Braves Falcons split that year, going back and forth between Pittsburgh and uh, Miami, he was playing for Atlanta, but they were playing Miami. And then the next week, he had to take the week off, I think. But he, he played in Pittsburgh, went down to Miami, played football, got back in time for Game 5 in Pittsburgh. They didn't play him. Well, it was the Braves were up three games to two going back home to Atlanta, and Tim Wakefield got the ball for the Pirates in Game 6 and threw a complete game and won to force Game 7. And we know what happened in Game 7. State College's Stan Belinda was on the mound, base hit the left, Sid Bream scores from second, throw up the line up, up the first baseline by Barry Bonds. Mike Lavalier tried, he couldn't quite get the to Sid. Um, but then Wakefield hit a rough patch. He didn't pitch at all in '94, and essentially the Red Sox took him off the scrap heap in '95. And this guy pitched. You look in the history of the Red Sox. He is the third winningest pitcher in the history of the of the Boston Red Sox, with what 180, I think 180 wins. I think he had 20 with the Pirates. He ended up with 200 wins. Guess who's he's behind on the all time list in Boston and wins. Go ahead, Matt. Give it, give it a shot. Let's see if we get one of the two. Pedro Martinez. No, no. Roger Clemens hmm. and Cy Young. Wow. So, Wakefield, in 2003, is on the mound when Aaron Boone hits the home run in Game 7. Okay? So he hits the home run in Game 7. You want me to find it for you here? Uh, No, it's okay. We'll spare the audience today. just Just to make you feel good? I won't even make me feel that great. It's all right. You sure? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, no, no, I got it here. That's right. We got. It. I just this is to make you feel good, <laughs> right? Right here. It's like okay. It's just to, just so you can like you know, because I always get a little concerned that you know you get a little down in the dumps about things. And Jose Contreras is warming in the Yankees bullpen. 
This is John Rivera Stewart. has pitched brilliantly. Now we're tied at five as we go to the bottom of the 11th. Here's Aaron Boone to lead off. His first at-bat of the game. There's a fly ball deep to left. It's on its way. There it goes. And the Yankees are going to the World Series. Aaron Boone has hit a home run. Lost to the Marlins, right? All right. Um, so... Still have nightmares of Jorge Posada grounding out in game six. No, I don't. I thought it worked out pretty well. Um, so he gives up the home run, okay, which is devastating for him. The next year, the Red Sox and the Yankees are back at it again. And Tim Wakefield... The Yankees win the first two games. And they go to Boston, and they're in good shape, right? Really good shape. So now they play game three. And in game three, the Yankees aren't just good. They're great. I mean, not just good. They are great in game three. And they win the game 19 to 8. 19 to 8. And Wakefield, I mean, the Yankees are pounding the Red Sox, pounding them. Wakefield goes to Terry Francona, I don't say the sixth, seventh inning. He says, just give me the ball, I'm going to finish the game. No matter what happens, don't take me out. Because I need to save the bullpen. Need to. Okay. And in that game against the Yankees, he went three and a third. Three and a third. Gave up. Five hits, five runs, all earned. With a 14.54 ERA on that night. Okay? Gives up five runs, five hits. All the runs are earned. The Red Sox lose 19 to 8, but he goes three and a third. Saves the entire bullpen. The next night, Ortiz hits the home run in extra innings. And the Red Sox bullpen. Which didn't have, which didn't pitch in the final three and a third, because he came on in the sixth inning. Ends up helping them win the game. Then in game five, game five, the Red Sox bullpen goes eight shutout innings. And the Red Sox won an extra innings again. All because the team guy, the team guy, walked up to the manager and said, no matter what, don't take me out. I will finish the game. It doesn't matter what the final score is. And this is the way he was. And he got the ball, by the way, in game one of the World Series. But this is the way the game won. Okay? This is the kind of guy he was. 
Charity? He did charity work all over the place in Boston. Jimmy Fund? Pediatric cancer? Who's leading the foundation? Tim Wakefield. Then of all the irony, he dies at 57 of brain cancer. Brain cancer. Just, you know. Unreal. Mm. But that's what a team guy does. He was also part of the 2007 World Series World Championship team. He made the all-star team. But everybody will tell you, off the field, awesome guy. Clubhouse, awesome guy. On the field, terrific player. Only 57, 57 years old. friend of mine right now, his son, who's in his 40s, has brain cancer. It's hard. It's really hard. But Wakefield's the kind of guy that you know that's why he won the Roberto Clemente Award. So with the Pirates they brought him up. They converted him. And by the way anytime he got into some trouble it's it's really weird because last week I was talking to Wayne Sebastianelli last week. And at that point, we didn't know that he was sick. So, and I said, you know, I said, I, w- I wonder if if teams would consider with all the analysts they bring in to have somebody be an analyst that just works with kickers. I said because every time Tim, and I still looked at him. I said every time Tim Wakefield got a little little out of whack with the knuckleball, they bring Phil Negro in, and he always would get back on track after talking to the Negro. Always. It's weird that it just out of nowhere I brought it up. All right, take a break. Frank Bodani, final half hour. Matt upset at his 4 0 football team. You know they're 4 0, right? <laughs> I wouldn't call it upset, but some things to watch about that. No, no, you're you're upset. It's obvious. You're on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Want to work for a stable yet growing company? Got it. Want to work for a family-owned business with over 100 years' experience in taking care of customers and employees? Got it. Want to work for a leader in selling more cars and satisfying more customers? Got it. Who has all that? SMC Sunbury Motor Company is looking for technicians across all their departments. Whether you're an entry-level technician, an experienced technician, or someone looking for a career change, Sunbury Motors would love to hear from you. They're looking for 
for technicians for their quick lane, car and light truck service, heavy truck service, body shop, and frame and alignment division. You can apply online at sunburymotors.com, in person at our North 4th Street location, or call Todd at 570-286-7746. Your new career of working on Fords, Kias, Hyundais, Western Star trucks, plus anything that fits in the door, and some things that don't. Join Sunbury Motors. Your new career is waiting for you. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Prudy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home, life, business, boat, motorcycle, RV, whatever it may be. They'll make sure you're fully insured. They'll do everything they can to save you money. Customer service means everything to them. At Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. The outstanding Frank Bodani, York Daily Record, joins us. Hello, Frank. How are you? Good afternoon, Steve. Happy bye week starting off for you. Beautiful yeah, weather. Ha- yeah, happy bye week indeed. All right, so um, through five games in general, what do you think of this football team? You know, a lot of it is what I expected uh, on defense, especially. Um, they're, I think they're not just really good and overwhelming at times on that side of the ball, but I think there's, you know, they're they're getting better in some ways, and I think they have a lot of younger guys, so that's something that I think people wanted to see. Young guys like Zane Durant, K.J. Winston, I think these guys have a lot more to give. So that's a good thing. Offensively, I'm just – just a little bit um i don't have all the answers steve i'm not sure i mean it's not like they've been bad or even not so good it's just um i don't think it's what we i don't think it's what fans expected to see or maybe how they want it to look and i'm not sure that i i have all i have some definitive answers for you on that well is that is that because of the lack of big plays, I think that uh, I think people expected them to run wild with what was going on. Right now, literally 50, 50% of Penn State scoring drives this season have been longer than four minutes. And in the past, it's been about 80-plus percent that have been under four minutes. Right. Well, I, I, yeah, I think people must at those drives is things you may have to do against the better teams. You know, maybe you have to do those against Michigan and Ohio State. I don't think people are thinking Penn State needs to do those against some of the teams they play. It's almost as if this is how we have to score against Northwestern and you know, WVU maybe maybe even more so against Illinois and that's we should be able to do better, more explosive plays. And, and you hit it. The run game is the biggest question to me because of how highly touted those running backs are and how much better the offensive line is. Hey, I mean, when you have the basically America's maybe best offensive left tackle, 
people are expecting things from you. And when they see Nick run like he did last year, people are expecting things. Well, what strikes me is, is I actually had a couple of people come up to you yesterday and said, has he lost some foot speed? Right. Like, and, of course, I see practice, so I'm fortunate I can say I do that. I also know what his chip time is in terms of miles mm-hmm. per hour, and I can assure you, no, <laughs> he has not lost any foot speed. It's, I think it's just the way it's... I think I feel like he's a block away. That block could be from a guard. That block could be from the tight end. Something. He needs one more in there. I think. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And I think, and I, you know, I'm not a coach. I don't. I'm not a running back. But I think there's a mental aspect to to all of this and all these positions. And when things maybe aren't going as easily or exactly the way they were in the past, do you do you think sometimes? a little much, you know, a little too much? Do you do you try to alter things instead of just, you know, seeing the whole hitting it, go accelerating and going and, and running through the tackles? I mean, I think there's runs. Almost one every game looks exactly as his best shape form last year. There's like one of those or two of those every yeah. week. It's just – None of those have gone beyond 20, and, and, there, and there just hasn't been as many. I think people just expect, hey, the Rose Bowl, right? You, sure. You're going to see that on a regular right. basis. Right. Rutgers, you're going to see that. And I think it's probably a combination of things. And maybe it's just, like you said, maybe, I mean, maybe it's just an extra block here with the wide receivers on the edges or that get that one run going, and then maybe it snowballs. What have you thought of Drew Allard to this point through five games? Amazingly efficient, and his decision-making to me is is kind of off the charts for his uh, age, for his experience. Uh, I would not have expected nine touchdowns and zero interceptions, no matter how good you think he was. So that's, mm-hmm. that part of his game has gone beyond, beyond my expectations. Um, the connection with the wide receivers, I mean, there's a two-way street here, right? So it's not just him. It's how is he working with his tight ends and receivers. And, again, you know, there seems to be a grow, a more growing needed, you know, a, a little, maybe a little bit of a disconnect it looks like at times. And maybe that's just work. Maybe that's just practice. Maybe these next two to three weeks before Ohio State is the best thing that could happen to him and, and those guys. You referenced the defense in the beginning. When you watch them play now, and the, all the guys that they play, a lot of guys that play, uh, what do you think of it, and why has it been? It, it's been as good as we've seen. Well, I I think coming in, I think we probably thought that they had one. You probably had four, at least four, like all American elite talents to right. go with to start with. And I think those guys have delivered in ways and times for sure. But I think it's the it's the depth that's um, I haven't seen it in 30 years at Penn State on that side of the ball. And they can come at you in waves, and it's this coming you at waves with the speed that they have, the athleticism. You know, they have a secondary that's experienced, but also not just fast. But I mean, they're pretty 
big guys for that position, and they, and they're and they're I think they're gaining more confidence all the time. And like, look at Daquan Hardy. People might have forgot a little bit about him at the beginning of the year, but I, you know, has he played as well as anybody since he's come back? I mean, and that's he's not even really one of your main cornerbacks in a, in a sense to start off the year. He's not one of your top two, but I think he's in a perfect example of wow, you can't just, it's not just the, the 11 guys, right? It's its the waves they come at you and to see Zane Durant step up in the middle and, and I, you know, that was a big deal I think for Penn State, him and Kaziah Zard in the second half. Yeah, Durant had a huge day for Penn State. Uh, and then, I mean, you look at the kids on that fourth down fake punt, Zion Tracy comes off the edge, trips him, and then Rojas cleans him up short of the mark. I mean, they're getting that kind of play from young players. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Well, yeah, and I think you don't always look at, are the numbers always that important? Maybe not, but the numbers that they've, I mean, the way they've shut down teams in all ways, I think... Is just uh, I think it does speak to what you're saying. I mean, and, and I don't think we've and we've seen, we haven't seen the best of Tony Rojas and guys no. like Donnie Tracy yet, right? You, so you expect I expect to see more of them in the second half. And sometimes you wonder if there's enough. I don't think there's enough plays to go around for the guys yet. I think people might be wondering, like, mm-hmm. okay, Abdul Carter's an All-American. Well, where's his stats? Right? Where's his? Where's all these big plays? And I kind of think, well. How many? How, he hasn't played as much as what anybody would expect yet, because he hasn't had to, and they haven't wanted him to. And I think the second half of the season, I think some of this is going to shift and look even uh, more like what people are, you know, are expecting from some of the big guys. The uh, one of the older players, Adisa Isaac. Mm-hmm. What have you seen from him? Because sometimes certain guys, especially when they get a little older, like they fly under the radar. I always feel like Curtis Jacobs flies under the radar. I feel like Isaac has flown under the radar. What have you thought of him? I think he's done a heck of a job, you know, coming all the way back from an injury that probably a lot of people don't probably understand maybe how significant that is, that Achilles, and what it takes to come all the way back from something like that. And it's been gradual. But to me, it's his consistency He's good at really good at what he does. He's not as flashy, maybe, and quite as explosive as Chop Robinson or Deny or even like Abdul, but Abdul Carter. But he's to me, it's his consistent pressure, and he's a difference maker in that he comes. It seems to me like he just comes every play. He's he's in there, and he's and he's pushing it, and he's making an impact, and it's that continual. Consistency. I mean, it's that's it's this consistency. It's it, to me that's that's what is Curtis Jacobs. I think has more to give too. I think it's a big first game, and I think he's flashed at moments since. But I think it's again. It's I think we saw the end of his season last year take a big step up, and I think that when they're calling for more minutes from these guys, starting with the Ohio State game, I think Curtis is going to shine. What would you like to see Penn State clean up between now and when they play again? I mean, I think to me it starts with the pass game. I mean, yeah. it just did not look together at times at all against Northwestern. And you're starting to wonder five games in why. 
And I mean, they're missing a couple receivers. One, this is the first year that are injured, or you know, this is also the first year where they really haven't had multiple, to me, experienced guys to count on at that position, as in the past. And that's no fault of these guys, but to me, it's it's cleaning up the getting Drew Aller and those guys on the same page, and they're going to have to make some tough catches, Steve. I mean, they, they're not doing a bad yeah. job. They're not dropping balls necessarily, but I think they need they can help out Drew more with making some tougher catches and the tight ends. Getting them involved with uh, maybe not even in the offense more, but I think there's more to get from them, especially Theo Johnson and his big play capability. We haven't really seen any explosive plays from those guys, so I think that's getting them open and free is a, is a big thing too. Frank, always do great work. You know how much I appreciate you and the work you do and appreciate you away from the work as well. Thanks so much. Well, yeah, love to talk to you, and I look forward to a couple weeks from now, Steve. You bet. Thanks, Frank. Sure thing. Great Frank Bodani, York Daily Record. We'll come back, wrap it up in a moment. Matt may have more complaints here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hi, this is Season. For over 100 years, the Purdy Insurance Agency has been protecting families and businesses of the greater Susquehanna Valley and beyond. With the experience of our trained and knowledgeable staff, you can rest assured that your needs will be evaluated and met by some of the industry's best representatives. No matter what your insurance needs are, call Purdy Insurance today at 570-286-5855. Visit our website at purdyinsurance.com or check us out on Facebook to see what we can do for you. Is there anything else you want to complain with about as we close today? <laughs> I do have one more, but I'll let Brian in Northern Virginia come uh, ask us a couple questions first from the game yesterday. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for giving me a seat at the Bitterness Cafe. <laughs> yes, indeed. Where, guess what? The waiter runs around, looks very busy, and nobody gets any food. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> Excellent. I was just calling for two main questions. One, sure. You know, I'm still kind of concerned about the offensive line play. It looks like mm-hmm. our guards, you know, Nelson obviously got hurt, but has struggled at time. And I think Sal Wormley, similarly, do you think there might be any personnel changes, like uh, putting Ione in more or something like that? It just seems like that's not getting the push. And then the second question is with the offensive play calling with Coach Yersich, it just seems like we're not getting in a good rhythm and we're not having you know, a little, you know some good variety of making use of the outside, wide side of the field, like crossing patterns, slants. You know, I don't know if that's on purpose or – just what you know you're at practice you see things or is it something that he's not seeing maybe or he needs to be down on the sideline again for a better rhythm but those are just some thoughts i had i don't know if you had any perspective sir okay so on the guard play uh, venga yawani has played and they've rotated him in and now obviously he had to play a lot more on saturday when nelson had to go out uh, but you're right. I think the guard play, it would help if it was a little more consistent. How about that? Because the center, Hunter Norzad, has actually played really well, and Olu is playing really well. You can see that. Yeah. I feel like so yeah, far Olu's had, Olu's had one game where you're like, ah, it didn't seem like quite like Olu. The other four, he's been terrific. Uh, and yeah, Norzad's been really good the entire time. Uh, the play calling, 
I think the play calling to this point has fit pretty well with how teams have wanted to play Penn State and what Penn State can take from them as they play it. So I give Mike a lot of credit for that. Uh, I think a lot of people would feel a lot better if they saw some big plays. Um, but I'll give you an example of the Iowa game, Brian. They decide they want to get a big play. So they ran a double move. Bang, bang. The double move is to then bait the guy up, and then you fly past him and go. Well, they ran mm-hmm. the double move. What did the Iowa guy do? Back up. Why does the Iowa guy? Why is the Iowa guy back up? Because their defense is to keep the ball in front of you. That's right. how they play. So some teams are not giving that to you, uh, and if they're not going to give it to you, you go with what you can take. Now, do I think Penn State has big play capability? Yeah. Is there a lot more they haven't used yet? Yeah. Uh, okay. And so, you know, it's, um, you know, they have not been doing – now, they haven't been doing plain vanilla either, but I'm saying there's there's other things that they can do they just haven't done yet. Okay. So not time to hit the panic button at this point. Yeah, I don't usually panic at 5-0. and But <laughs> – uh, I'm just concerned about. I know want to know, but I'm just concerned about Ohio State and Michigan. That's, that's oh sure, and, I, and, and that's what everybody's basing their questions on. I totally understand why the fans yeah. would think that way. But there's, you know, uh, it's it all depends on what a team wants to do. You know, how aggressive do you want to be defensively? And you know, it's Michigan State the other night. Same thing with Michigan State. Every Iowa game. I mean, I watched a lot of the tape going in. Guess what? Nobody's getting behind them, right? Right. And that's right. how you run 97 plays. You just execute your stuff and just keep on going, keep on going. You run 97 plays against them. And then, you know, they essentially, Northwestern did the same thing. They just did not want to get beat deep. Remember, Northwestern's base defense is five defensive backs. Yeah, that's true. Good point. So, well, thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate it. Great job, as always. Love listening to you and Jack, and keep up the great work, and great dad Matt back. Hey, Brian, appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for the call. What was your last complaint? Now, I don't know if you saw Rondy Harrison postgame with Chris Jones with the Chiefs. I don't know if you saw his his question, how he was basically trying to get Chris Jones to rip Zach Wilson as he was ripping him, calling literally called Zach Wilson trash in the question as he's framing it to him. First of all, I'm not surprised by anything like this with Rodney Harrison because that's the type of personality he was on the field. But this just goes to NBC, ESPN, everybody. Just because you're a former player doesn't mean you automatically get a microphone. And this is something that the this industry will never understand. That he should not see, not should be handed a microphone ever again for something like that. Just idiotic on his part. Well, I'm gra- glad the former player I work with has a microphone. <laughs> He's really great. <laughs> oh yeah, and a lot of them are. But what I'm saying is, let's just not because let's just not take him right off the field. Say, hey, I'm retiring, and give him a microphone. Let's like see if he actually knows the job, knows what to do, not just act like a fan and trash a guy, and then try to get another NFL player to trash a guy. Hey, by the way, somebody asked asked a question online about officiating, and I promise I will get to it tomorrow. It's my fault for not getting to it because they had a couple of officiating questions. Also, some heavy criticism of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They didn't. 
Is this guy ever coming back? Is he the one that had the baby? <laughs> 